0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going we're to start by going with Genesis chapter 1. It's really easy text to find. Um, so if you're new to the Bible, um, you can find this in a matter of one second. It's on page 1. Of your Bible. So if you have one, you can turn to that now. We'll get to that in a little bit. But um, to start today, a little history lesson. Back in 1990, NASA put together this big space initiative, a mission. Following years of delays, a budget of over $1.5 billion. That's a lot of money. $1.5 billion. NASA launched the Hubble Space Telescope. Here's a picture of it. It's kind of cool. Anybody remember the launch? It was a while ago. I was born, <laughs> and that's about it. Um, but this was a big deal at the time. It was dubbed our window, window to the universe. That's pretty cool. And it was supposed to take these like, super crisp, clear pictures. Um, it, it took nearly 15 years to even get it up and running, like to get it up in space. But almost immediately after it launched, they discovered a problem. Not crisp, clear pictures. The one on the left is what they actually got. Blurry, warped pictures. And the one on the right is what it should look like. That's not a good start. $1.5 billion and that's what we get? 15 years? That's a bad start. And so I use this to describe a bad start. And I want to introduce this question. Have you ever had a bad start? Have you ever had a bad start? Like uh, those moments where you're so excited, like, let's do this new thing. It's going to be great. You're all excited for it. And then it just didn't quite pan out the way we had hoped. Here's some of mine. Um, I love strawberry shortcake, and I was baking some once, and I dropped immediately dropped like half a bag of flour on the floor. That's not a good start to my baking experience. Another time, I... uh, I um, bought a harmonica. I did some research. I really wanted to learn harmonica. I wanted to be like Elwood Blues from the Blues Brothers, if you remember that movie. And so I, I bought that harmonica, and, and I got it in the mail, and I was so excited. I played it for one day, and I put it down, and I never touched it again. It's too hard. That's a bad start. Uh, maybe some bigger stuff has happened in my life. Uh, one time I was going on a short trip, and I needed to get some fuel before I went on the trip, and I ended up putting diesel in the, yeah, yeah, diesel does not mix well with an unleaded engine, uh, so that was a bad start. Some other examples, though, could include in your life, more, or others, uh, a bad marriage starts poor, like it's, if it started poorly, it doesn't help. Um, how about if, like, your first day on the job didn't start so great, that's not a good feeling, or maybe your spiritual life, it didn't start off on the right foot. So I think of all these things, and I I just think, wouldn't it be great if we knew how to start, like if we could regularly start things off, new things, on the right foot? Wouldn't it be great if if from day one of whatever new thing we're putting our mind to, it just just works out? Unfortunately, it doesn't always work out that way. Like beginner's luck isn't always the thing, and more often we struggle at the beginning. So a couple quick stats I found for big city marathon runners. Any marathon runners out there? A couple. Wow, you guys are amazing. Uh, for every one thousand people who register for a marathon, eight hundred and twenty of them actually show up to start the race. That's like almost twenty percent don't even show up. That's a bad start. Or how about this? Um, New Year's resolutions. It's New Year's, right? Anybody have a New Year's resolution this year? Okay, I see one hand. Okay, well for you. Um, Only 9% of Americans who make New Year's resolutions see them through to the end. Wow. We are far from perfect as we start new things and see them, try to see them through. We see it today in our own lives, we see it in the Bible as well. There's an example, a big example that came to my mind was the Exodus story. Um, where the Israelites were delivered from slavery out of Egypt. And they, God makes all these promises like, hey, I'm going to lead you to this new land. It's the promised land. You're going to love it there. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's amazing. I'm going to go before you. I'll defeat all your enemies. You have nothing to worry about. Just, just go. And they travel these two weeks, and they get there, and they look in. And they're like, oh, whoa, those people are really big. We're not going to do that. And they, they actually say in Numbers chapter 14, wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? That's like the land of slavery. God laid it out. All, all of it was out there right for the taking. They just had to go in, and they messed it up right from the start. So instead of a, just a two-week journey through the wilderness to this promised land, it turns into 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Not the best start. So what if there was a way To start new things that always seemed to work out, that made the whole process easier. What if, from day one of whatever new thing that we're leaning into, whatever new thing you've got in mind, we knew how to start successfully so that we could see it through to the desired end? Getting off to a good start makes a difference. And I'm like, if I'm looking to start a business, I want it to start well. If I'm setting personal goals, I want to see them actually happen. It matters how we start. Whatever new thing we're getting ready for, how we start matters. And fortunately for us, God shows us this formula. We can see it in the text, Genesis chapter 1. We can, we can get it right at the beginning. When God's starting a brand new thing, he gives us this formula for success. So again, it's Genesis chapter 1. I won't give you any context, no background, because it's the beginning Uh, So there really is none. Um, But God is getting ready to start this brand new, amazing thing, and it's going to be fantastic. So it's Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and, he, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. The title of the talk today is Starting Strong, Beginning God's Way. And we're going to pull some thoughts out from the text, just a couple of thoughts. And, and it may be helpful for us to start with a question to consider this. Where would you like to have a good start this year? I really want you to think about this. Like what do you have going on this year as you look forward? For me, like a big one is I'm going to be a first-time dad in eight weeks. Ah! And I really, I really want to start that well. I want to get off to a good start in that. So that's mine. How about you? What do you have going on? Maybe there's a new season of life that you're starting. A new job, a new relationship, new personal goals. Whatever it might be, What would you, where would you like to have a good start this year? So I'm going to pray for the message, but during the prayer, I'll pause just for a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to highlight something for us that we should be leaning into this year. So Lord, I pray for this talk. I I invite you, God, to teach us. We open up our our lives to you, that you would speak into the situations that uh, these ideas apply to. Holy Spirit, would you highlight right now for each of us personally, what's one thing that we should lean into and submit to you as we start a new thing this year? Thank you for teaching us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, on your handout, you can fill this first thought in. A good start includes a specific plan. A specific plan. When you think about it, the creation story is clearly broken down into steps. Like clear, specific steps. Creation was thought through. It wasn't just willy-nilly thrown together. God thought it through. Like he wasn't making it up Along the way, we only read about day one, but if we go into the text further, we can see day one was light, day two, sky and ocean, day three, land, plants, trees, day four, sun, moon, and stars. Like we can see the structure day five, day six, day seven. There's a plan in the matter, and it matters because in his power and his wisdom, God worked through each day intentionally. It wouldn't have worked otherwise. Like, what if God had created plants on day one? Where would they be planted? There's no land. What, what if uh, God had created people, Adam and Eve, on the first day? What would they eat? Sand? I've tried it. It's not good. It's not good. And you know you've tried it too. It's been in the lettuce. God thought it through. He thought it through. He planned it out. God established creation with order in mind. He had a specific plan, process, process then. He still has a process for every new thing that he's doing, even now. So this is an important to recognize. It's a really simple thought, but you can write this down. God is a detailed planner. He's a detailed planner. And I wrestled with that word, detailed, because I wanted to put other words in there, too. Like, God is a perfect planner. God is a comprehensive planner. You could put any kind of word in there. But the big idea is God is a planner, So I've got some examples just to show you, like, how God is a planner. First one was Noah and the ark. Like, God had a plan there. Uh, Genesis chapter 6, it says, so make yourself, God's telling Noah, make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it, coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. And he goes on, he details specific directions for building this boat that will house all these animals, the family, and uh, survive an epic flood. And he didn't just give Noah, like, hey, you have freedom to go build whatever kind of boat you want to build, uh, because Noah may have ended up with a canoe, and that wouldn't have worked. He had a specific plan of this will work, do this. That's a plan. Another example was Mary and Jesus. We just got through the Christmas season. So Luke chapter 1, an angel shows up and tells Mary, hey, you're going to have a baby. He's the Messiah. You should uh, consider this. How will this be, Mary asked. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. God sent an angel to Mary describing precisely how this is going to happen, what he was planning, what was going to happen. That's a plan. Another one, this one applies to us still. The book of Revelation, the end times. God gave John and then through John us a, a vivid picture of what the day's coming before Jesus returns and after Jesus returns, what that's going to look like, what the plan is. Like, he has a plan for that time, and we can see it. And so story after story in the Bible, we can see the detail-oriented, the planner mind of God. So now let's, let's bring it into the room. If God is a planner, if God's a planner, we should be too. Like, we should. Go back to that question we were asking earlier the, the question was, uh, it's not on the screen, here it is. Where would you like to have a good start this year? The exercise, the Bible reading, whatever that might be? How can we do that? Here's a couple tips. Keys for making good plans. First one is be open to God's plan. Be open to God's plan. In the book of Luke chapter 15 we have Jesus telling a parable. It's a story of this young man who asked his father for his inheritance early. And he's, he's like, I'm going to go off to this distant land, and he's going to go spend it on wild living. And so that's what he does. He, he goes off to another country, goes crazy, loses all his money. It doesn't turn out so good. And he literally ends up wallowing with the pigs. It's not a good end for him. And I think about this this young man who had probably, hopefully, like, high intentions, good intentions for his future. And and I'm like, did he plan at all? Even if he had a plan, it must have just been a bad plan from the start. So for us, it's not just about planning. Like, I've seen lots of bad plans. You know what would be better than just having a plan or even a bad plan? God's plan. God's plan. God's plan would be way better because that's what he does. Planning is what he does. It's important to acknowledge that, that God's plans last. They work. Here's a, a scripture, Psalm thirty-three, eleven. <clears throat> but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. That's the kind of plan I want. That's the kind of thing that as I'm leaning into a new situation, a new uh, season of my life, I want a plan that will stand firm forever. God's really good at what he does because when he starts something new, his plans are perfectly thought out. So be open to God's plans because if we aren't, we're missing out on the perfect plan. We're missing out on a situation that will go the way it should go because chances are, if we're running full speed ahead, we're going to miss something. So instead, we should pause and check in with God. God, what do you think about this? What's your idea in this? Ask him questions like, God, am I rushing this? God, are, are, are there things that I should be considering that I haven't thought of yet? God will bring those things to mind as we, as we consider with him, as we ask him, and we can trust those plan adjustments. If he adjusts something for us and says, no, nah, you should slow down, we can trust that. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. That's what I want as I'm starting something new. So be open to God's plan. Second key is this be willing to get outside advice. Get outside advice. Some of us here, we're great planners. Some of us love to be in control. We we have this desire to like, I'm going to call the shots because I know how it'll turn out. If I do this, 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 it'll be great. But we all have our blind spots. We're not God, so we don't always see the full picture. And we often miss some of the details along the way, which is why, because we don't have perfect wisdom, it's why it's best to have others involved in our plans another perspective coming in even if my plan seems like it's the best available option. Here's what the Bible says, Proverbs 15. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Another person's perspective is so, so important. Example, when I go to the fridge and I'm looking for the eggs, and I'm looking and they're not there. They're always right here. And then my wife comes over and says, Andrew, they're literally right where they always are. Another person's perspective is so helpful. They see the things that we often miss. Another person's eyes help in situations. But we have to be really careful. Yes, the Bible says to seek counsel. It's good to get other people's perspectives, but, but who we're talking to about these things, that matters. It's important to recognize whether it's wise counsel or foolish counsel. So I won't go into the whole story, but there's an example in uh, the, the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 12. If you want an assignment, go read 1 Kings chapter 12 this week. It's about King Rehoboam. And this this young king, he takes over the kingdom, he's leading the people. He's got to figure out how am I gonna lead my people. And so he he's leading, and he has this question, and he goes to the elders and he, he asks the elders, guys, what do you think? What should I do? And they give him this counsel, and it's helpful. And then he's like, well, okay, I'll consider that. But let me ask my friends, too, my young, inexperienced friends. And he asks them, and they give him counsel as well, and it turns out to be foolish counsel. But he's like, these are my friends. I like them. Let's do that. And so he goes with this foolish counsel, and you know what happens? His kingdom is split in half. The people rebel. That is not a good start to his reign as king. Not a good start. So our plans need counsel, but more importantly, they need wise counsel. So when I'm starting something new, I try to ask myself this question. Who in my life has successfully navigated this before? Who has gone before me and has already done this that I can ask and and say, "What what did you experience? What did you learn? Just getting good counsel from other people that have done it before, because somebody has done it before me. And likely, their insight can help us avoid the potential pain of a foolish plan. So if we want our plans to succeed this year, as we lean into new things, this is where we start. Get specific with a plan. And be open to what God has to say. Make sure that God's in it. A good start includes a specific plan. The second thought is this. A good start includes verbalizing our intentions. Verbalizing our intentions. Isn't it fascinating how creation happened? Like like God could have blinked, and bam, there it was. He could have clapped. You guys remember the clapper? Lights on! Instead, he said something out loud. He spoke, Genesis 1-3, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. But again, he, he didn't stop there. We see this pattern throughout Scripture of God saying ahead of time, here's what I'm going to do. I want you guys to know the plan ahead of time. I'm going to verbalize my intentions. Go back to Noah in the flood. He told Noah ahead of time, I'm going to do this. Genesis chapter 6, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. He's verbalizing in his intentions ahead of time. In the New Testament with Jesus Jesus, before he died on the cross, he told his followers, his disciples, he said, Hey, guys, I'm going to go, but I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you. It's the Holy Spirit. He said ahead of time, here's what I'm going to do. And then he did it. Now, we do this, too, all the time, often without realizing it. Uh, Each month, we have people come up on stage, and we baptize them. But before they get baptized, they stand here, and they share their testimony it's them verbalizing out loud their intention. I'm going to follow God, go with Jesus for the rest of my life. They're saying, saying it out loud. Now, over, over the last month, I've been to a couple of weddings, and I, I thought about the wedding vows. The wedding vows, like right at the start of a marriage, two people stand in front of each other. They stand in front of a pastor and often a bunch of witnesses, and they express their vows of commitment out loud to each other. Here's what I said at my wedding. I, Andrew, take you, Leah, to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until death do us part. As God is my witness, I give you my promise. Why do we do that? Why do we say them out loud? because there's something powerful to actually saying the words out loud. By saying the vows out loud, something happens. Suddenly the words carry weight, and by other people hearing them, by other people hearing these words, the words go from an idea in my head to suddenly they are actually holding value in the real world. You can write this down. A verbal declaration brings momentum to our intentions. Brings momentum to our intentions. You know, we tend to hold people or businesses, for that matter, we hold them to a certain standard. We say, hey, you said this thing, you better keep your word. We do that all the time. Tons of businesses have slogans that they say all the time, and wouldn't it be weird if they just said these things and then didn't do them? Like, that wouldn't work, right? So i got a quiz for you. Here's a couple of uh, brands. Can you come up with a slogan? The first one is this bounty it's the quicker picker-upper. Next one. State Farm. It's on your side. Not quite, that's all state, right? Almost. State Farm is what? Like a good neighbor, State Farm. Yeah. How about Gillette? Men, come on. It's the best a man can get. Every other service so far, a woman has been the only one that knows it. <laughs> Gillette, the best a man can get. So by putting those slogans out there, the, the companies, they understand that we're expecting that experience. You said it's the best a man can get. So like if you, if you give me a razor and I'm shaving my face and they go, ah, and it's not the best, I'm not going back with that. You lied to me. You didn't keep your word. They're driven by those words, by their slogans to follow through on them. Because if they don't, they're going to lose my business. If they don't follow through on their word, they're going to lose my trust. Many of us in the room are Christians. And when we say those words out loud to people, I am a Christian. I am a Christian. Boy, that changes things in the moment. The people around me are are looking at me, and they're expecting, okay, Andrew is going to be a Christian today, right? Like I'm I'm feeling this push, a drive, to make sure that what they see in me is, is Christ. The action of saying it out loud pushes me to follow through on that. That's a good thing. What we say affects what we do. So let's say things that will produce life-giving results. Now here's a hint, though. When we're starting something new, well, it matters who we tell. It matters who we're talking to about these things. Like if I really want traction in my life as I'm starting this new thing, if I want traction as I'm going into it, there's certain people who I should tell. Silly example, but every time I go to the dentist, uh, they ask me a question. Have you been flossing? Do they ask you that too? Is it just me? Have you been flossing? And I'm like, oh, I know it's coming. Every time I know that question is coming. And I, despite my best intentions, I know I should be flossing. But I would never, ever in my whole life have been like consistent in my flossing. And so I go into it knowing they're going to ask me this question. And so I, I just, I always have this response. You can steal it if you want to. Um, my answer is always, not as often as I should. That way I'm not lying. Not as often as I should, which is basically my way of acknowledging I need to do better. I'm going to try harder. And I do. I mean that. I'm going to try harder. I, I do. I go a couple weeks, and I'm flossing well, and then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, peters out somewhat. It's never consistently happened for me. And I think partly it's because there's no risk of disappointment. I'm not going to go to the, next, the dentist the next time, and they're going to look at me, and they're going to say, you didn't floss? How, how could, why didn't you floss? Like that, that didn't happen. That doesn't happen. The next time, they're just going to clean my teeth again, and it's going to be good. Compare that to another recent example. Back in the, uh, at the end of summer, August, I made a, a decision. I am going to run a mile a day-ish, every day for the next 365 days. Like, that's a, that's a lofty goal. For those of you that are runners, you're like, Psh, I do that in my sleep. But for me, that was a thing. And so I, right at the start, I told a bunch of people, I said, Leah, my wife, I said, I'm going to run every day. I'm going to keep, keep doing this. And then I told some people around the church. And I specifically remember telling Ryan Cameron that I was going to be running like that. And I remember telling him because he's uni- unique in that he remembers the things that people tell him. So a couple weeks ago, he came up to me and said, Andrew, Andrew, have you been running? To which I responded, I'm way behind. I'm way behind. But something happened in my heart when he asked me that question. Like, I want him to see me as a man of my word. I want Ryan, when, he, when I tell him, hey, I'm going to do something, I want him to understand Andrew does the things that he says. So following through on the running thing makes a difference. Because then if he sees that in me, then I, I, I can say to him next time that he's got a situation going on, Ryan, I'm here for you, and he'll believe me. Or Ryan has a situation that needs prayer, and I'll, I, I'll say, I'm, I'm praying for this situation. He'll know that I am. I want that to be the case. And so the running thing, not that big of a deal. If I don't run, it's okay. But follow through with that sets up opportunities for follow-through in things that mean a whole lot more. So by telling him my intention, I invite, I invite him into the action. I invite him to ask me about it, to keep me on track, and I gladly welcome that kind of healthy pressure. So I want to end with a, a personal challenge for all of you. You can take me up on it. You don't have to. But, but here's my ask. Would you... Think about whatever that new pursuit is that you were thinking about earlier, the new thing that God is putting in front of you that you want to start well. Maybe it's a spiritual goal. Maybe it's financial. Whatever it is, uh, I want you to write it down and email me. Here's my email. It's Andrew at theVineyard.org. You can email me your name. Include your name, your goal, and maybe a timeline because remember a specific plan is important. Create the expectation of follow-through. You told somebody about it. And here's what I'll do. I'm telling you, so there's this like back and forth. Here's what I'm going to do. Whoever emails me will get a follow-up. Sometime in the next six months, I'm going to check in with you. I'm going to say, hey, how are you doing with this thing? You still on track? You doing the thing right? I'm going to reach out and see how you're doing. So whether or not you take me up on that, consider this final question. Who should I tell about my next pursuit? Because we should tell somebody. It really helps. Who should I tell about my next pursuit? That's what God does. So, as we start new things, let's do it the way God does. He's got a pretty good track record, his plans stand firm forever. So, to recap, a good start includes a specific plan and verbalizing our intentions. Why don't you stand? We're going to pray.